This is Rocks to Roots, a podcast presented by the Spokane Conservation District. This podcast series is intended to share education and resources related to land management, conservation practices, and celebrate some of the great stewards of our land here in our region. What's going on, Rocks to Roots listeners? Happy fall, y'all. So I want to, for season five, challenge our listeners to please like, comment, and share as much as you can via whatever streaming site you are tuning into. Also, just a reminder that we love, love, love subject suggestions. So you can submit those subject suggestions um, for our podcast if you or an organization that you love or maybe your own business um, wants to be on Rocks to Roots, you can go ahead and submit those suggestions to us via our website, rockstoroots.org. All right, well, let's go ahead. Let's jump on in. Today, we have Stephanie Watson. She is the program director of River City Youth Ops. So thanks for being here, Stephanie. That's my pleasure. Thank you so much for having us. So let's just jump off and why don't you just tell us a little bit about yourself and your connection to Spokane? Awesome. Yeah, my name is Stephanie Watson, and I actually grew up in Spokane. I graduated from Freeman High School in Mm -hmm. 2008, and I returned to Spokane in 2020 during the coronavirus pandemic and uh, lost my job in San Francisco and have been since uh, trying to plug into local groups in Spokane around food and farming and found River City Youth Ops a little over a year ago, where I started as an AmeriCorps volunteer. Very cool. And what is River City Youth Ops? River City Youth Ops, we are a 501c3 nonprofit in West Central Spokane. Uh, We actually started in 2008 under the name Project Hope Spokane and rebranded in 2017 to River City Youth Ops, River City being Spokane. Youth Ops being we run youth teams, um, creating opportunities in their neighborhoods um, right now, predominantly West Central Spokane, where we're growing food and selling it at the farmer's markets. But previous iterations, we did youth activities in gyms and sports and uh, lawn care, yard care companies. Um, And Project Hope So Can started with volunteers in the neighborhood out of a response to gang violence and trying to create alternate activities for youth to plug into community. And so we've sort of are continuing that on and right now focusing on, on food and farming. Very cool. Well, I love that. So 2017 rebranded from Project Hope. Why the rebrand? Oh, good question. And this is a little bit before my time, but I've been doing my best to pick up the pieces in the history. Um, But I I understand that there was just, uh, you know, different leadership at Mm -hmm. the time and trying to really refine what it was that we did as an organization and how we did it. Um, so the OPS stands for opportunities, and mm-hmm. our sort of vision and how we see youth is really um, kind of like creating space to foster what's already there. The opportunities that exist are already in each individual that comes and works with us. 
So to work with them on a strengths-based approach, talking about job training or education in school, um, and even connecting to resources through community engagement, through our program, through service days that we do together, um, kind of creates opportunities and connects youth to opportunities in low-barrier and non-stigmatizing ways um, that also um, comes with a program of us getting to know our team and connecting them to their interests and values. Very cool. Well, we got lots to cover in this episode. (laughs) Um, And then I'm curious, so River City, is that an O to the Spokane River? Absolutely. Okay, awesome. Yes, absolutely. And I should mention, too, one of our our longtime partners who's been absolutely phenomenal is the Spokane River Keeper. So we do trips. We do field trips together where we'll do things like pick up litter along the Spokane River and measure that and and, uh, talk about also how the litter gets there and why it doesn't belong in the river mm-hmm. and the history of our river and how we've treated it over the years. So, Yeah, a um, very important resource that we have here in Spokane. And actually, we don't we haven't had the Spokane River Keepers on. That's a good idea for our next episode. There you go. Yeah. All right. <laughs> so you need to put that on a suggestion on the... Oh, I'll send you our whole partner list for suggestions. (laughs) Perfect. Yeah, just send that whole list over. Um, So we talked about how there was a rebrand in 2017. And so I guess how really did River City Youth Ops um, come to be? I think it was, from what I can understand, again, I feel like I'm kind of coming in and picking up the pieces Uh of what organization has a really rich history of a lot of committed community members who've come together. But I think it really was um, uh, in 2008, there had been uh, a gang violence and death in the West Central neighborhood. Mm -hmm. Um, And this was something that wasn't necessarily a one-time occurrence. And so um, the individuals in that area came together to create Project Hope Spokane, utilizing the resources they had. I think Mm -hmm. our very first iteration was... um, playing basketball in church gyms mm-hmm. um, and has since sort of grown. Um, for a while, we, we operated under the um, Project Hope Spokane with Riverfront Farm. Um, and River City Youth Ops was just our, our kind of way of uh, rebranding with a with the focus on the youth. Um, uh, I think uh, there's a lot of ways people look at youth in the next generation, often as a solution to problems, often as a source of problems, mm-hmm. and how, um, like, I guess we as leaders or community organizations, like, interpret what's already there versus trying to change, um, I think probably has a little bit to do with the rebranding as well, um, and just, like, honoring what's already there in the youth and how to kind of um, unleash that creativity and mm-hmm. those opportunities. Um Versus trying to change and seeing people as problems, something that needs to be fixed. Yeah, yeah. What what uh, age groups are is youth considered? Uh, River City Youth Ops works with youth ages twelve to eighteen, so mm, okay. uh, a little bit like middle to high school. That's a um, that's a wide range, right there. It yeah. absolutely is. All it right. absolutely <laughs> is. You definitely. I've def- noticed since I'm going on my. I guess it'll be my third summer of doing this program. The having not worked with youth previously in a team setting and just seeing that, um, you know, focus is about eight minutes. And then, you know, <laughs> like maybe every year grows a little bit longer, but yeah, no, I, I, folks managing I have, group so. dynamics at the, that age also brings opportunities because you see the older youth kind of rise to the occasion to kind of remind the younger youth that we need to be respectful of our speakers mm-hmm. talking or 
Um, he's in the younger youth kind of observe and want to kind of rise to the occasion or I will admit occasionally I had to throw out the word like I am not here to be your babysitter and that kind of got those 12 year olds like ears perked up like oh yeah no we 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 want to be here we don't want to be babysat we want to think um but but yeah I I think at different ages I really noticed a difference at age 14 15 years really open up about how we think about work and why that matters and how mm-hmm. that connects to freedoms and how public transportation means more now um, once you kind of see that you can um, make your own decisions or kind of go volunteer on your own. Like, you can do that at this age if you know how to navigate. So, Yeah. yeah. So when they go out and they do projects, so the ages are intermixed then or <laughs> – Yes. Right okay. now our summer program is ages 12 to 18. Okay. Um, and, and I do run it like a team setting. So sometimes that's managing group dynamics. So sometimes that yeah. means 14 to 12 year olds, you're going to go with staff yeah. member here and go see how much you can weed in that corner um, while the more focused group plants and prunes or whatever it is that we're doing in our farm that day. Um, but yeah, we right now we are 12 to 18. Um, we have talked as a board of really focusing on that high school level so that we can actually deliver um, a little bit more intense educational curriculum. Mm-hmm. Um, but for our summer program, which we run two five-week programs every summer, uh, we we do have 12 to 18, and we we do function as a team across ages. So occasionally during the day, we'll break into small teams for the various projects or the harvest we have that morning. But um, but yeah, that's our, our age range and target demographic. Well, that's cool because I think that, I mean, it must bring an element of mentorship too. those mm-hmm. younger kids looking up to those older kids who get to go over there and do the planting and things like that and bringing that element into. Absolutely. And with the strengths-based approach, you're constantly monitoring group dynamics. And so mm-hmm. you're seeing when someone is really paying attention, knows what needs to be done. And then it's like, okay, why don't you go show them how this goes forward and, yes. and so yeah I think um well it's certainly challenging for the facilitators myself included I think I am learning the ratio is about one adult to every seven kids mm-hmm. um and that seems to work really well for group dynamics <laughs> and uh really engaging everyone because we do want everyone to be fully engaged while they're there and occasionally the tasks we have at hand are hard work or really tedious um, picking coriander balls off our coriander that we dried as a spice that we wanted to sell. So if, so I'll think it's a good idea to send my three 12-year-olds on a little, like, thing, keep them busy, but three minutes later, they're... <laughs> Spread to the winds. I don't know. <laughs> Using beets as face paint, and I'm just like, okay, well, this was also a good use of your energy today, so... Say, that's not a bad idea. That's pretty creative right there. Beets as face paint. <laughs> so it sounds like you've had a there's been a farm involved even when it was Project Hope all the way through now when it's River City Youth Ops? Yeah, I guess I cannot say with certainty that it's been since the very beginning of farm, but I do know that um, some of the founders really opened their home up to farm, and that's a model that we leverage, and and I hope we can continue to leverage of really making use of lots donated by people, individuals, in the landowners in the neighborhood um, and, and that was kind of our first farm, um, and first site for growing food. Um, and so there's been different models where we've farmed lots where people are living and they just want our help and we'll share the food with our, um, team's maintenance, um, and other models where the lots have just been gifted to us and it's our job to maintain them. 
Um, so. so would you say that majority of like um, the projects that you guys work on, um, that is land that's been gifted to you? Or do you guys have your own plots of land or community gardens now? Right now we're only working with land that's been gifted to us. Okay. Um, yeah, we do not own land. Um, and I don't know if that would be a sustainable model for us. Um, but I, we are interested in increasing food production, um, at least right now in West Central, um, and potentially expanding into other neighborhoods if we grow in capacity. But, um, but yeah, just it's a pretty accessible model, actually. There's a lot of people who have space in their yard and either want help managing it or already are managing it and, you know, want to share their knowledge and, and wisdom through gardening and urban farming with our team. So connecting youth to mentors who are doing this is another part of our program. And, you know, volunteer community leaders who are um, – who are you know, maintaining their property and looking for ways to plug in with youth. Um, we do things, everything from cleaning up litter around our area to to actually, you know, amending the soil and tending our plants and harvesting. And during the summer, we're selling it to farmers markets a week, um, oh, which is a huge part of the job training component of which our program. Uh, this past summer, we sold at the West Central Farmers Market, um, which which is a weekly market now and the Emerson Garfield Farmer's Market on Fridays on North Monroe, um, which has been a staple market for us. So, And do, um, do the kids get involved? Does the youth actually do the selling, do the harvesting, do it all? Yeah, absolutely. Oh, very um, cool. They do. We do. We have, um, yeah, in the morning we'll harvest um, with the intention of getting ready for the market that afternoon. And I'll have another market team come, so I don't have kids working 12-hour days oh, there you go. Um, <laughs> to take over uh, and, and do the selling. And uh, sometimes that's our chance to share kind of the fun facts about our produce or what we like to do with it with our customers. Um, and always it's just a chance to practice talking to people, mm-hmm. um, sometimes slightly out of our comfort zones. Um that's really cool that you say that. That's one of the things that's kind of been lost, I feel, in our youth with all the computers and internet and everything else is that ability to just socialize. Mm-hmm. Yeah, especially during COVID. I think programs like ours are so important where you're Thank socializing you. with youth, or, you know, from, you know, around your same age, but, you know, plus or minus two years. Um, and then socializing with people at the farmer's markets. People at the farmer's markets say the darndest things. They just <laughs> yeah. literally come up to you and say what's on their mind or what they're growing or what they did with the food you made or what, you know, whatever it is that they do. And our kids really feel that, which is great job training. Um, And then we go around at the end of every market and um, we ask farmers to donate uh, produce if they have any leftover so that we can help it not go to waste. And that's another part of our program and the community engagement piece with how we talk about food access. not only are we reducing food waste and helping farmers maybe carry less home if they didn't have another use for it, um, but we are then donating it to um, to one of our community partners, Catholic Charities Food for All program, and making sure that that food gets into people's homes and eaten. So that's another part of our presence at the farmer's market. Very cool. So I'm sure that there is a parent that is listening to this episode right now and is like, ooh, I want to get my kid involved. So how how do these kids that are involved in the program, how do they get started? 
You know, I think a lot of our current youth um, that I've had the experience working with the last two years have been word of mouth um, or like, you know, neighbor kids that did the program years previously that referred kids once they came up to, you know, age 12. Um, So check out our website, everyone. Uh, It's youthops, Y-O-U-T-H-O-P-S dot org. Um, And uh, yeah, I'd be glad to meet with or talk with any parents who have interest. Um, We are, we're looking to grow our programs. Uh, Right now we are primarily focused on a summer program. Um, but we do have, um, you know, goals to move into multi-season programming. Um, and yeah, we primarily exist to serve the youth of the West Central neighborhood. Mm -hmm. However, we have had youth from other neighborhoods. Um, occasionally transportation is a barrier there. Um, so that's something else kind of as, you know, we get older as youth, how to navigate transportation. But, um, I think that um, yeah, we are trying to get the word out, um, that we're an active organization and we're looking to grow. So mm-hmm. if you think your, your kids would be interested in our program, please don't hesitate to reach out to me directly also. Um, I will, I will be glad to be in touch and, uh, and yeah, answer your questions. I think, um, you know, our goals through our program are to connect youth to the environment and the opportunities that exist within our local environment now, at this age now. I think as you kind of grow up and enter middle and high school, while there's a lot of focus on what are you going to do with your life, how are you going to make money, what's going to happen next, there's also a lot of pressure and often um, a lot of negative sentiment about just like how hard the world is or how mm-hmm. this these these challenges we're facing are too big to even start. And so with our program, we try to start small and that's really just getting to know our team. Mm-hmm. Very oh, cool. Awesome. Um, oh, I just had a question. I just lost it. Um, oh, so you talked about, um, was it five weeks in the summer um, where you kind of run your program? So kind of just talk to us about, um, maybe how that looked this summer or what, when those happens, like, are we talking May, June, July? Yeah, absolutely. Um, we're, we're trying to work with the school calendar. So typically starting, um, mid to end of June and ending end of August. Um, and that's, that's sort of been, um, you know, right after the school season, uh, we have met four days a week. Uh, five hours a day, uh, so that's about 100 each five-week session. Um, and I definitely should mention another really cool thing about our program. When youth participate, we absolutely encourage full participation. I know that can be hard with summer schedules. Mm-hmm. Um, but with full participation, we actually pay youth $200 to participate um, in the form nice. of an education hey, stipend. <laughs> yes. Um, what was that when I was young? <laughs> No exactly right right around the corner um but yes no we we pay youth um and and um and try to connect them also with the components of financial literacy mm-hmm. and even introducing the ideas that like your time is valuable people will pay you for it what That's will you awesome. do at this time um, only you will be able to show that <laughs> some days like I said, we'll have like beat face paint to show for it, um, <laughs> which I think is a good thing. Yeah. But um, but I think just kind of getting those wheels turning um, and paths primed of of how we think um, 
about life and work and how we connect the environment uh, through food and our neighborhoods. Um, other things like planting trees, uh, you know, just taking care of the pathways we walk around, whether it's cleaning up litter or snagging a few of those noxious weeds that mm-hmm. we uh, don't want to see spread. Um, yeah. So I'm curious, and I'm going to kind of switch gears from the kids to more the adults that help facilitate this, like yourself. So one, I want to know why and how you found River City Youth Ops um, and decided to get involved. Um, And then I kind of want to talk about the adult portion of it after that. Sure. I feel really lucky, actually, to have connected with River City Youth Ops. It was was a... prize for me, um, especially given where I was coming from and COVID. And I did actually move home to live with my family and I did not plan on that. So I was a little bit in a career like, we'll see what happens with this worldwide pandemic and then Mm -hmm. decide what to do. So um, I just actually started plugging in and doing a few volunteering and short-term gigs um, actually relating to food. um, And through that connected uh, with River City Youth Ops, but it was an AmeriCorps opportunity, which again, I thought would be a short-term kind of summer stint. Um, but after going through the summer last summer, the summer of 2021, I um, I guess I really connected with our board. Um, at that time, we were a volunteer board of four individuals um, who had been maintaining a summer program without uh, year-round staff with, by just actually leveraging the AmeriCorps program and hiring just in the nick of time to run a program and then um, and and not really having that goal of year-round um, programming and um, connecting with our board, uh, our board president Adam Gebauer, um, and and our board members at the time. It was just a good fit for me and my passions and our mission, um, and so. I've stayed on over the winter to try to help us build internal infrastructure. Mm-hmm. During that time, we grew our board to now 10 individuals, um, and we really do have amazingly committed volunteers um, in the form of you know our board leadership who are from diverse backgrounds, who care about this, who are trying to you know help me to see this to fruition. Mm-hmm. And... Um, yeah, I mean, we're, we're growing. We're in an exciting place in that regard and that we are growing. Um, and I've been really enjoying, you know, sometimes I'll throw out an idea or say this and this and that, and, and it kind of feels like we're just on a positive trend where these ideas are being welcomed or they're the ideas that were already there, the way the organization was actually set up to, to what we were set up to achieve. So... Uh, we also have amazing volunteers who um, who just show up for things like our our volunteer days, where we will um, when when we do you know open up our farm in the spring or put it to bed in the fall. Like we'll we'll we have amazing volunteer partnerships with Whitworth University um, and their Dorns Five Center, who's also supplied some of our seasonal staff um, and. Uh, and Northwest Farm Credit Services is our, our number one corporate sponsor right now. And they have an amazing program where they'll come and their whole team will come and do service days with us, which they can do a lot of work in a short amount of time, which helps with our small team to kind of fill in those gaps. 
So are you in need of additional adult volunteers? Yes, absolutely. In fact, I see kind of as I grow in my own role, um, one of my biggest needs is how to organize the volunteer energy effectively. I know so many amazing, busy people who want to be part of our organization. And what that looks like is a set two-hour commitment where you come at this time, you do this, and you're done. There might be other people who want you know, a more long-term project where they want to interact with our youth or maybe even not be involved with our youth and do admin or you know, things like that. So I really, um, I really welcome volunteers, and I, I think that we're at a place where we can actually leverage our volunteer powers, and that's, that will actually make all the difference. So um, I encourage any volunteers to reach out to me actually directly, uh, stephanie.watson at youthops.org. Um, that's my email. And um, I know there's been volunteers who've reached out in the past or um, who've signed up and we haven't been able to like bring you into our program. So for all of those volunteers over the years too, there's, there's going to be more opportunities. So stay tuned and, and bear with me there. <laughs> So you said that there is really an emphasis on the food and farming aspect of this. Why is that such an important um, focus for River City Youth Ops? Absolutely. That's something where just coming into River City Youth Ops as a new person and looking at what we have, it just makes sense. Um, We are, you know, trying to recruit and prioritizing the applications of youth who've undergone any form of trauma, um, Mm. whether that's living in a food insecure household or um, something more specific. Um, And given the actual demographics of the zip code 99201, we we are uh, considered to be um, a USDA designated food desert, Mm. which is a very specific designation. Um, So given our model and trying to connect with youth at this age now, kind of even just being able to share a little bit about the food you put in your body Mm -hmm. and what it means, Um, you know, nutrient density, um, the food that we grow organically on our farm from real soil. What's different about that than other food that you could be eating that might, you know, fill the hunger box, but not fill that like nourishment box. Um, so we talk about ways to prepare food, like after school snacks, and we do meals together. Um, but, but we also are just trying to kind of reiterate the importance of taking care of yourself with health and wellness. Um, in our five-week program, we do have like a theme for every week, and one of them is personal wellness, which is just kind of like, you know, how do you navigate the world in your body as it is now, in your family as it is now? How do you make helpful choices? Um, and I'll be real, a lot of them, it's talking about getting more sleep, maybe reducing video game hours mm-hmm. before bed, or time on TikTok or the YouTube. <laughs> um, they, we talk about that. Like, we talk about everything because it's really, because we do become a team. But um, in the ways we can and in the opportunities that are provided for us through our urban farm and at the farmer's market, we do talk about food access and and try to do so in a really non-stigmatizing way because at this age, middle to high school, youth are also becoming aware of, um, you know, maybe I have enough food to eat at my house, but maybe my friends don't. Mm -hmm. And I didn't really know as a young kid that, like, 
my friends might not have enough food. So what does that look like when you become aware of that level of injustice in your own neighborhood or in your own school? Um, so to be able to know, well, we did a cool service day with River City Youth Ops where we volunteered at Our Place Community Outreach Center. And I know that they have so much food that they would give you and your family, you know, on their service days these days of the week. Things like that are opportunities we're hoping to make those connections for, you know, mm -hmm. at this age when people are starting to pay attention. Um, and growing up, as you become aware of what these inequities are in your own area, seeing how, you know, through being a connected community, you can make that difference. Mm -hmm. No, it's so, such an important message. Um, yeah, where your food come from is get to know your farmer. Um, but I'm sure, I mean, that you've seen it too. It's so cool how energized kids get when it comes to food. Mm -hmm. um, you know, when they're out there in the dirt and pulling up their own carrots and, you know, really doing that. I mean, it's so energizing to see and so cool. But yeah, I definitely do challenge, um, you know, some of our listeners to kind of get a little out of your comfort zone and maybe you know, explore just exactly what you said, um, you know, if there are opportunities to help out with, you know, areas in our community that are food deserts or might be food insecure in some of these school communities to really just kind of reach out and extend that arm and get involved because it is really important. <laughs> Absolutely. There's so much, you know, when you're in when you're in or living in poverty, you know, life is expensive. Everything's mm -hmm. costing money right now. Mm -hmm. um, food is an easy way people try to go cheap. But what does it do to your body when you're prioritizing cheap, when you're mm -hmm. growing or when you're trying to be in school and you're trying to focus? And you have food allergies you may be unaware of or you have, um, you know, I mean, so many of those, those issues that are affecting our youth can be traced to food. So to become aware of a, at a young age of real food from the ground and how to prepare it and, and truly inspire wonder through it. You mentioned pulling up carrots. Yes, like pulling up carrots, pulling up kohlrabi. They're like, oh my gosh, look at this. This is the craziest <laughs> thing ever. And it's like, yeah, like you grew that. That's plausible. Um, and there's a lot more that's possible once you kind of have know-how. Mm-hmm. So I'm curious if um, you're able to share maybe um, like a special experience that you had or any like, you know, cool success stories with youth that you've worked with and through the program. No, it's so true. And I think about this often. I saw this on the questions um, and it's something that what's true is like the most special moments. Like it almost feels like not my moment to share. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Um, and as a fundraiser and the ethics behind fundraising, like I know everyone wants to hear this most impactful story of the time a youth's mind was changed. And, and the truth is I have those stories, but I don't know. It's hard because I do feel like part of my job is to create that trust with the youth. Uh -huh. um, but I'll share kind of in broad strokes a story that definitely stuck with me and will continue to. And it's slightly controversial, but I think it shows um, how youth what we're going through, all of us, um, because this was a this was a day. It was kind of toward the end of our program, and we were running around. Um, if you haven't been to our site yet, it's at the West Central Abbey, our main urban farm site. So we have our farm, 
and then we have our storage, which is in the basement of a chapel, and then we have our office, which is in another building. So we're kind of just taking over the whole space and have our little team <laughs> journey all around. And I was in the basement looking for something with four young women, and um, and I know these women well because it's been a while. And um, I know the questions that were coming up were following the media talking points around abortion. And I knew well enough to know that two of them were from families where that was something that, um, you know, was was seen as a political right or, you know, something that how, how they viewed and talked about women's bodies in that context was this is an absolute necessity. And I knew the other two were not. Um, and so they were asking me questions. I Whatever it is they said, I'll try to keep this brief. But I just kind of turned around and I looked at them and and I was just like, you know, this issue is going to be an ongoing issue for the rest of your high school and probably, you know, the next 10, 15 years. But as long as men are not respecting women's bodies, like this will continue to be talked about in ways that are unfair to you. And 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 I I, I forget exactly. I don't want to like be quoted on exactly what I said <laughs> to them, but but I just I just I wanted to create space for the way that they we're all raised with this idea of what it means, but know that like if we aren't creating space for meaningful dialogue with mm-hmm. true understanding and awareness of this, and at that age where you're reaching, you know, something close to sexual maturity and mm-hmm. people are seeing you in this way, I, you know, I was just like, you will be in these situations where people will say things and and expect things from you, and how you handle that will matter. So how you know and honor your body is kind of all that you can do right now. Um, that's a lot of information. That's not all of what we talk about, but I did, you know, that's where, that's where I think my job matters. And that's where when you're in a setting with youth, they're asking you every question. They're asking you any question they're not going to ask their parents. They're probing our farm manager for every aspect of his personal life, asking him all the details about, you know, that the, they're just, they have all the questions. Mm-hmm. And I don't see it's my job of saying what's right or wrong. It's more like, holding the space for that. Um, but we kind of, uh, you know, in the course of maybe a 10-minute conversation, I, I sort of tried to button it up with, like, you know, whatever's happening, you know, in your school, in your friend groups, you know, in these conversations, like, there might be a time where you have to speak up and say, you know, what it is that's on your mind, and and that'll be important. And then the next day we had a kind of we do a morning circle where we um, – uh, just kind of have a question of the day or a question to get us started. And, and one of the girls um, shared, like, like what, what had been most – it was something like what had been most meaningful, and she said something along the lines of, like, I, I just think I know how to be more inclusive now. Um, and that was that was cool and, and related because the initial conversation and why I even brought up this subject is it was – they were ready to not be inclusive. Like, can you believe these girls think mm-hmm. this? Can you believe it? It's like, well, yeah, I can. And so how, you know, I don't know. I think a lot of the job that, that I have is listening yeah. to what they have and what their questions are. And, um, yeah, especially when we touch on, like, hard things, finding the way to let them think it through on their own without, you know, my adult judgment. Mm-hmm. Okay, I got to give you snaps because that was <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Very cool. Well, but truly, I had nothing to do with that moment, and I was so caught off guard, too. Like, we're literally just in the basement picking something up, and I'm just like, oh, my gosh. I don't even know if I know how, what to say right now. 
Mm-hmm. And the words that come out of your mouth are hopefully right. But um, but yeah, they keep you on their toes. The questions they have are real and they're not wrong. And um, I think that that's one thing. Just at this age, people are so used to being told, no, behave mm-hmm. in this way. This is the right way. This is how we think. This is what we do. And it's like, this is how you make money. This is how you be successful. This is how you be happy. And mm-hmm. there's not one path. Right. Yeah. And they are such open books too. <laughs> they love to share. <laughs> so that's a great message. Yeah. You know, just to be inclusive and then also what you say matters. I think that's just a great takeaway. Great message. And honoring those thoughts in you or in your heart that like get you upset or get you agitated or whatever it is, because I think, you know, especially when we talk about the environment, um, you know, it's too easy to have a hopeless dialogue. And why would we do that to our next generation? Like, I cannot fathom why we would not encourage more. Mm -hmm. So that looks like us connecting them to, like, living examples of what works. Yeah. So um, I want to kind of switch gears and give you an opportunity to talk about some of the great partners um, that you guys have. I know that you mentioned Northwest Farm Credit Services Absolutely love that organization. They're also a sponsor of our Farm and Food Symposium. Um, So love you, Northwest Farm Credit Services. Shout out to you. Um, So, yeah, tell us just a little bit more about some of the partners you work with. Yeah, they've been – they're absolutely amazing financial sponsor. Um, And and some of our other sponsors really come in the form of our community partnerships that we plug our youth into during the course of our program – so I think I, I might have also mentioned Our Place Community Outreach Center. Um, we do service days with them. That is always a uh, kid's favorite. Um, it's completely no-barrier food bank. It runs a lot like a farmer's market. It's in Kendall Yards. Um, and and we love Our Place. Um, Spokane Riverkeeper as well. We love to do our litter cleanups with them. Um, we get so much litter. The kids love that too. It's an outdoor day. Um which and also gives us the chance to talk a little bit about being unhoused and you know where do you go if you know what you, what do what do what do you do if there's no place to go um, and talk about uh, a little bit of destigmatization there. Um, Second Harvest is also a partner. We get to do fun field trips with Second Harvest, um, see what they do, and talk about food access as well. And then, oh my gosh, I'd be so remiss if I did not start to mention some of our farmers um, because that's another huge part. Like we have a small urban farm. It's amazing, but we don't have animals. We don't have an acreage. Um, So when we are able to bring youth out to real working farms and meet farmers and hear about how they got into farming um, and why they sell at the farmer's markets or why they don't or how their farm stand operates or, you know, share about their goats and their horses or their pigs or whatever, those are things that... Um, really complete the picture for mm-hmm. us as an organization to con- to introduce the youth to and um, and to to yeah to show what it's what farming can be and to explain job pathways there. Mm-hmm. Um, so I gotta ask, how many acres do you have or oh do you no. farm? I don't. Less than an acre, probably total. Less than an acre. Right okay. now, we right now we only have three. Uh, lots that we're currently managing um and we could use more so that's that's a plug um yeah if, if you're listening to this and you're like i have space we want farm help 
let us know. And that's a yeah. real cool, trendy thing nowadays. Get rid of your grass, put some raised beds in your front lawn. Mm-hmm. And then with the River City Youth Ops, you have the crew to go take care and harvest and share the vegetables together. It, that's awesome. It only makes sense, truly. Like, I think we we will rip out your yard if, <laughs> if that interests you. I know we used to do lawn care. And we might do that too, but... But yeah, we'll come rip out your yard. <laughs> no problem. That'll be fun. Win-win. You can watch. Around. You can help. We don't care. <laughs> Are there any partnerships that you're seeking? Mm-hmm. Or mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. Um, oh my gosh, yeah. Um, I, I mean, I do think we've had strong partnerships um with some credit unions in years past. Mm-hmm. And I want to really develop that financial literacy curriculum piece for us next year in a different way. Um, so that's something that feels really awesome. Um, uh, I'd love to, you know, work with someone who also wants to work with kids and talk about how we think about money at this age. Cause it's so important. Um, we get a little bit of practice doing our till at the farmer's markets, um, and tracking sales there. Um, and then we talk about it through the lens too, of the $200 education stipend youth get and what they want to do with that. So we'll do one-on-one coaching on what um, how you want to spend that money and how it might connect to your education goals. Um, and, and yeah, I'd love, I'd love more partners there in that arena. Um, and then the other part I'll just mention is so many of the partners I want to bring in, like I want to be able to compensate, right? Like Uh for our level of organization, like I can't bring in farmers and ask them to take a whole day off work for free, which is mostly what I'm doing. Um, so I'm working on kind of getting enough fundraising budget to, to compensate for field trips um, and things like that. But but really, um, you know, we've had we have partners like Northwest Renewables, you know, jobs in the energy sector. Those would be great, especially once kids hit about 15. They're thinking about jobs. So if I can plug people into, you know, high level functioning teams here in Spokane that are willing to share like a little bit about their life and work and how they got there. Mm-hmm. Um Anything like that is really um, something I'd love to bring into our program um, and bring those mentors in for activities. Um, The other huge network we're seeking to build um, that's growing now is just our chef network. Um, We love to have real chefs come in and practice with our kids, uh, sharing um, either doing food demos or actually engaging us in an activity where we do it all together. Um, We do fun things like make dinner. Um, in fact, we kind of have a, a capstone dinner where we make it for our families at the end of youth ops and have our little dinner and awards night, um, where we bring in a local chef to help with that. Um, yeah, we just had our harvest dinner where we worked with chef Logan Moss, which was great. Um, he wants to keep engaging, but I, I really think chefs from all backgrounds, um, you know, um, I also, uh, Washington State University Extension, um, we had a great partnership um, with them and brought them in for their kind of um, expanded food and nutrition programming to talk about nutrition. Um, so, so yeah, kind of the food is medicine, using local food, um, connecting with chefs, making it. Kids love to be able to make dinner for their family and mm-hmm. be like, see, I made us dinner, like, we can just put this in the oven or I think the after school snacks is still good. Uh, you know, things like you can put kohlrabi on your sandwich, like yeah. <laughs> try it. Um, yeah, things like that. Um, uh, but there's within our model, there's a lot of, I guess, like openness, um, mm-hmm. to, because 
I guess I'm not seeing every kid as like, how do I make you become a farmer? Mm-hmm. It's not the only job path. It's more like, who are you? What are you about? How can we plug you into someone who knows a little bit about that? I would say too, oh my gosh, we're here in a podcast studio. There's so many kids who are like, know how to use their phones and they're vid- making videos. Like we yeah. had youth energy for a podcast team, you know, on in our program this summer. Um, another youth who wants to, you know, do dance videography, things like that. So it's like, really, if, if, if you're, if you care a little bit about these things and, and you want to connect with youth, like I'd love to work with you. There's a lot of ways we could do this. Um, whether it's bringing in panel discussion of professionals of how you got there and what you were thinking about you, your life at age 12 to, uh, you know, um, to, to teachers and being in schools um, and kind of like the rounding out those pieces that make a community. Yeah. And sometimes it's just that one adult that can connect to a child and change, you know, their scope of their life, you know, by just talking about their experiences and like you said, where, how they got there and why and all that. So very cool. Um, so what is on the horizon for River City Youth Ops? What's coming up? Yeah, I think we're, we're in an exciting phase of growth, um, and stability. I am eager personally to commit my time the next few years to seeing where we can go, um, uh, obviously for us, that looks like multi-season programming, mm-hmm. um, to be a stable, you know, uh, space and resource year round. Um, we have talked to about growing into other neighborhoods and we have some, you know, kind of possible partnerships there. Um, but want to make sure we don't grow too much too soon. And we do have a lot of work to do in West Central. So, um, yeah, I'm eager to connect with our volunteer community year-round and our youth year-round um, for for expanded programming. And um, I know what next on our organization's like event list. I'm not sure when this will be aired, but uh, we're going to do a garlic planting on October 29th. Okay. Um, so that would be cool. something where kids can come or adults. Um, we welcome volunteers and showing up to our volunteer days is a great way to plug into our network and meet like-minded volunteers and um yeah see if you want to be more involved as we grow um we want to grow food to meet the needs of the neighborhood um to meet the needs of our farmers markets um and to share widely um you know we talk a lot about sharing you know through gleaning um we also give kids a lot of produce through our program and there's just so much more that we could do there to grow abundance um, and really leverage the resources that we have um, that time of year. But what that looks like is planning year round. So mm-hmm. um, we all are also looking to to engage really just gardeners or you know farmers, um, you know, and, and kind of crowdsource some of that knowledge of what we grow where and how much. Mm-hmm. So if they're gleaning, so if your youth are out there gleaning, which is um, make sure that produce doesn't go to waste, uh, can people just call in and let you know, hey, we have a pear tree or an apple tree we don't harvest and it just goes to the ground? Can your kids come get it? Possibly, yes. Do make that call. Do reach out to me. Um, some of those I we have to field, um, and some, some of them it might make more sense to refer to a 
partner organization like Spokane Edible Tree Project, mm. um, which is another partner of ours, um, and we've done some field trips there. Um, but yeah, I think uh, we've we've had some generous people come up at the farmers market with requests like, "I have a bunch of raspberries in my yard. Do you want to come <laughs> over?" And I guess I'm still thinking that through organizationally on how we bring youth into anyone's backyard with a reason. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, call me, we'll figure it out or connect you to Spokane Edible Tree Project because, uh, because yeah, that food shouldn't be going to waste and, um, our kids love to pick it. So. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if I'm, I don't know if I'm right. Were, were y'all involved in a bike program, uh, delivering food, throughout the neighborhood on bikes? Okay, yes, maybe something before my time. Um, and then maybe, like, we have partnership with Growing Neighbors. Growing mm. Neighbors, okay. Yes, um, and although they're managing this bike delivery right now, um, okay. we've talked about connecting youth to a localized bike delivery, possibly partnering, well, one, with Fresh Produce, and then potentially with Staples from our place, Community Outreach Center. Um and, and I think it's a good idea, um, but it's not currently something we're doing as part gotcha. of our program. Okay. Cause yeah, I mean, if their your youth is growing it and then their program is, is biking it to the, to the community there, that'd be just I know. fantastic. They, they, their biking is fantastic. And I, I like biking. I think it's awesome. It's good Kids exercise. like biking, yeah. but it's dangerous and it's dangerous in Spokane and to put kids on a bike with a little cart and say, go for it. Um, I didn't think that isn't, well, it's, it's, I, I still, I debate, I go back and forth. I'm like, could it be done if we put flags on the trailer? Would that be safe? After school hours, it's starting to get dark. Snow's coming, you know, like these things are real, but, um, Honestly, like I'm here to connect youth energy to where there's needs. So like if we have enough kids who are like, like this was exactly the same you know, situation as a farmer's market. Some of those days were like 100 plus degrees days. We're getting emails from the market <laughs> managers like, can we cancel the market? How will you feel? I like go ask our youth team. They're like, well, aren't people going to come? Don't they still want food? Like, can't we still go? I'm like, like yeah, we're, we're going to go. Right. I'm going to get you ice cream after, but we're going to go. <laughs> yeah. And so we, you know, I don't know. I think, um, you know, there's so many ways adults could sit in a boardroom and have great ideas. And it's different when you like interact with youth and see where their energy is and what they want to do. So um, I do think that that potential bike delivery is a great idea and it would just need to be really thought through and safe route set um, with, uh, I, I guess with that too, I like the idea of youth delivering to the same people. That way you're holding that relationship. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, we, we don't want to duplicate a- efforts if someone's already doing something that cool. We don't need to be doing it too. <laughs> well, Stephanie, I'm so glad that you came on the podcast. River City Youth Ops to Science, like, I mean, an incredible organization for our community and for our youth and for adults too. I mean, the opportunities for partnerships and to get involved and mentor a child and um, get kids you know, growing their own food, knowing where food comes from, cooking their own food. Um, I just, I love all of it. So um, for our listeners, go ahead and tell them again how they can contact you or about possibly getting involved or partnering, or maybe they have a child they want to 
get involved. Absolutely. Please, please, please check out our website, uh, River City Youth Ops. Uh, that's www.youthops.org, Y-O-U-T-H-O-P-S. Um, and then reach out to me directly, stephanie.watson at youthops.org. Um, that's my email. And um, yeah, I'd love to be in touch. I uh, We are, like I mentioned, at an exciting phase of development and kind of have a, a strong history in Spokane. So especially if you've been involved in the past, um, you want to meet me, or if you're uh, just hearing about this now for the first time and looking for you know, a way to use your professional skills or even just some volunteer hours, we would love to meet. Very cool. Well, um, you know, we can't let you go without doing our Spitfire round. So are you ready? I'm, I'm ready. I've <laughs> listened ready. to this podcast before. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, okay. So you said that you lived in San Francisco for a while. So I'm curious, is there like um, a certain type of food that you like love? Yes. That you could just like eat every day. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I just love food. Um, I love, love, love food. I miss, I could probably eat Ethiopian food every day. Ooh, yum. Yeah. But I don't know. I think there's a lot to be had in just farm to table food, like, uh-huh. and what that looks like and honoring the culture the food came from and knowing or experimenting with flavors. Do you have a favorite Ethiopian spot here in town? Oh, in town, I know Queen of Sheba. Okay. Yes. I don't know if I've branched out much further than that. <laughs> it's excellent. The lady that it. owns Queen of Sheba is just a fantastic person. Yes, I know. Actually, like she comes. She'll greet you as you're eating there. She'll just give you free food and like, hey, I made these with cardamom. Here you go. I'm like, I need to look that up and I'll get back to you. But yeah. No. Great it, place. It's so good. Yeah. So good. But it's hard to pick one food from the Bay Area because it's such a like melding of food mm-hmm. and and also like quick food's been valued there. So like you can get really cheap, really great food like regularly. I think people here eat out less than over there. Mm. Um people here I'm like I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> but uh the food culture is very different. Um and I think um, part of that has to do with the populations that built up San Francisco mm-hmm. and how their food culture became valued and cherished. Oh, yeah, definitely. Okay, so when you're relaxing or working, whichever, podcasts or music? Ooh, both. It depends. Um, I actually love the Rocks Roots podcast. If I'm, like, cleaning, I'll probably put a podcast on. But if I'm, like, totally end of the workday, music. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I think it always fluctuates on my mood. The mood? Sort of, <laughs> yeah. I get I get a podcast for like a week and then I'm like, okay, now I want something different. And then I go into a mode of don't know what, so I go back to 90s rap or something, you know, because mm-hmm. it's always a great go-to. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 90s rap? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. See? <laughs> That's decade for music right there. <laughs> Um, okay. I am curious if you could travel anywhere in the world, no, no expense, where would you go and why? I might've just been thinking about this. I would love to go to Southern Italy and go backpacking and then come out like after four or five days of like 
being grubby in the mountains and then go in and have like really nice Italian dinner. Ooh. And I like stay in a hotel and then go back into the woods. Heck Something yeah. Like that. That's awesome. A little I'd love luxury. To, yeah. A little I'd love grit. to go to Naples again too. I love Naples. Ooh. But yeah, Southern Italy. Mm. All right, I'm going to go with a nice easy one here. Are you a dog or a cat person? I'm a dog person. Dog person. I don't not like cats. I am severely allergic, um, oh. so I tend to keep my like six okay. foot distance <laughs> when I meet a cat, especially the cute ones. I just have to say like, <laughs> I like you, but keep your distance. Building off that real uh, harder one, are you a chicken or a duck person? Oh, Dwayne, what kind yeah. of question is that? <laughs> Um, there, it's true. I've seen it. There's chicken and duck people. Do you know? You got the differences. I get. <laughs> I guess. I guess I'll say duck. You never know what's going to happen. Because, right. uh, yeah, I, you know, I never thought of bringing ducks to our farm. I, we thought of bringing chickens, but yeah. ducks are mean. <laughs> but they're funny. Yeah, I would say ducks can kind of. Freak me out, scare me a little bit. So you're a chicken person. I think I'm a chicken person. We're adding that to the list. (laughs) Was this a new question? (laughs) Totally. That is not on this list. So lucky you, Stephanie. (laughs) That's hilarious. Um, I'm curious. What is uh, last book you read? Mm -hmm. Whole book. I know I didn't. I know I recently picked up uh, Joan Didion's The White Album recently after mm. she passed. I read that again. But um, I don't know. I feel like I read a lot of like briefings, articles, PDFs, yeah. PDFs in my email. It's actually a winter goal to read a good book. I welcome them. Um, yeah, I welcome a suggestion there. Um, what about last concert you went to? Oh my goodness. Let me think. It wasn't that long ago. Maybe the Who? Ooh. That's not a good answer. Yeah. Awesome. Was that the last one? Oh no, James Schaefer. Oh. Yeah, he came recently. Yeah. To Here s- to Spokane? To the Knitting Factory. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, he's from New York. But that was fun. Kind of really jazzy. What kind of, what genre is he? Oh my gosh, what's it's like jazzy. Ooh. That's not the right word. Um, it's like cocktail bar music, like oh, cool. kind of like snazzy. He's like pounding on the piano and singing. <laughs> I don't know. Right. Oh, I love some piano. Yes. Is there a piano bar here in Spokane? Oh, yes, there is. There is. All right. The Riddler piano bar. Have you never been? I've never been. Oh, we're going. Okay. We are taking a Rocks to Roots field trip, and we are going down to the piano Riddler bar. Piano Bar. Right. <laughs> we're planning that. All right. You want to send us off with All the final? Right. And so the final question, as always, Beatles or the Rolling Stones? The Beatles. Yeah. Right. The Beatles. I thought you might ask this question. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. A, no one's been answering the Beatles lately. It's been the Rolling really? Stones like on a on a roll. Yeah. We might have to switch it up and change it to the duck <laughs> or chicken question. <laughs> That's a good way to just throw people off and make them really think. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, Beatles, universal love all the way. Woo. 
Well, Stephanie, thank you so much for taking the time um, out of your day today to sit down with us and talk about River City Youth Ops. We so appreciate it. And thank you for all the great work you guys are doing over there um, with your organization. So listeners, make sure that you check out River City Youth Ops. Lots and lots of opportunities there. Um, Get together with Stephanie, ask her some questions and shoot off some ideas. So thanks for being here. Thank you, Hillary. Thank you, Dwayne. You both are amazing. (laughs) Grateful to be here. Rocks to Roots is sponsored by the Office of Farmland Preservation. Office of Farmland Preservation is a program within the Washington State Conservation Commission that works to address the rapid loss of working farm and forest lands in our state. Together, the Washington State Conservation Commission and conservation districts provide voluntary, incentive-based programs that empower private landowners to implement conservation on their property. You can learn more about their programs and services by visiting their website, scc.wa.gov.